Pastor John very much wishes he could be there, be here this morning. If he could just transport, you know, back and forth, it would be awesome. He's been in Hungary all week. They flew into Budapest and have had interesting connections with people. While they were in Budapest, they met up with a couple that just graduated have graduated from Rima five years ago and have been in Bulgaria, but now they want to do mission work in Budapest, and so they were talking with Dan and Marta about that. So that happened at the beginning of the week. Now they've been in Uska, and the leaders from Sikahid have been driven by Pastor Bela to Uska to be part of the conference, which is really cool. Um, a lot of you have been in Sikahid, not as many in Uska, but Uska is a gypsy village in Hungary, around 300 people on the Ukrainian border, and the gospel has been in that village for 50 years. And it's amazing. To me, it feels like a still water, like my neighborhood. The houses are really teeny tiny, the yards are small, but everything's manicured beautifully, and there's such peace in this village, and it's just wonderful what the gospel has done. Sikahid is a gypsy village in Romania, which is a couple thousand people. And the gospel has only been there for 15 years, and that is absolute squalor. And there's only a couple hundred people that are saved in Sikahid, whereas in Uska, 80% of the people in Uska are saved. So it's really neat that the leaders in Sikahid can leave Romania and go to another gypsy village that's had Jesus in that village longer and just see... What a difference it makes. So the conference has been amazing. Another contact that they had was a girl from Colombia has has uh, joined the team. She knows Peter Mulner because of his uh, residence at the Discipleship House by the U of M, met him through that connection. She is going to be in Romania for six months working in an orphanage and really has it on her heart to work with gypsies. So she has joined the team. So just some really neat connections and some wonderful ministry in Uska. The theme of the conference in Uska was to step out in your weakness and let God use you in your weakness. If you've been to Uska or have heard about Uska, the gypsies in Uska are probably some of the most talented musicians on the planet. I kid you not. They are phenomenal. Have had world-renowned articles written about them, Charisma magazine, phenomenal. But they rely very heavily on that, so their worship is just fantastic. But this week, John has really been encouraging them to also preach the Word of God and step out in that area as well. And that's more of a weakness for them, and it's not as comfortable, it's not as easy as the worship part. So maybe for us, we can think about what does God want us to step out in this week? That's uncomfortable for us, but then he'll make up the difference and anoint it. So thank you. Pastor Greg. Hello again. I'm going to do the offering if I can uh, get myself organized here. So I, I just have to say, didn't the worship team do an amazing job this morning? It's one of those times where, you know, the presence of God is just so, so good that you don't want it to end. Yeah, it was awesome. Okay. So I've, some of the things that Pastor John said last week have, have been rattled around in my head all week. Um, if you remember, what one of the things that he was talking about was that uh, regardless of the outcome of the election, regardless of who won, we can't trust in man, right? Remember that? That Jesus is the answer. We still have to look to him. So after that, I was I was thinking, okay, well... Why does so much of our society, so much of the population of the United States and a lot of other countries in the world, why do they look to the government? Why do they look to their leaders for the answer? And one of the things, as I've been thinking about it, is I think it's because the church hasn't done its job. Part of the problem is the church hasn't done its job. 
we should, society, the population, the public should be looking to the church because, like Pastor John said, Jesus is the answer. We have, we have the answer. We have the answer. Okay, so I kept thinking, why is that? Well, we're not, we're not stepping up. We're not living like we're supposed to be living. We're not living in victory. We're not demonstrating that Jesus is the answer. We're not living in victory. We're not, we're not stepping out and fulfilling the plan of God, God for our lives. And I don't mean that to be condemnation. I'm just trying to encourage everybody. That's the problem. Okay? And as I was, as I was thinking about that, just like I said, this has been rattling around in my head all week. Um, as I continue to think about that and think about, well, what's, what's going on? Why aren't we doing it? And I didn't hear an audible voice, but I, I pretty clearly sensed God telling me, okay, when you've not done what I've told you to do, when you've not stepped out in victory, lived in victory, why is it? So after I got over taking offense to that, <laughs> settled down and, you know, the obvious answer, the obvious answer is fear. Right? If I look at the times that I've not tithed in the past, why is that? Fear. Fear of lack. Why have I not given when God has directed me to give? Why is that? Fear. Again, fear of lack. When I've not stepped out and, and laid hands on somebody as, as God has prompted me to do, why haven't I done it? Fear. Fear of the opinion of man. Fear of failure. When God has instructed me to do something that's that I know is part of His plan for my life. Do this, step out and start this. Why haven't I done it? Fear. Fear of failure. We allow ourselves to, instead of believing the truth of the Word of God, having faith in God and His Word, we allow ourselves to trust in the enemy and his lies. Right? And if you continue to look at it, okay, so that's, that's the obvious answer. But as I, as I, again, continue to think about it, I think it goes even a little bit deeper. The root of it is a lack of knowledge. Okay? A lack of truly understanding the Word. Truly understanding what we have, what we've been given. Truly understanding... what God has done for us. Truly, and it, I think it really comes down to not understanding really His love for us. His love for us, the covenant that we have with Him. And one of the things, I guess the main thing I have on my heart to continue talking about is we really don't understand the authority that we've been given as children of God. So if we look at John ten nineteen. Behold, I have given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt me or hurt, hurt you. God has given us authority. When Jesus died, we were given authority. Okay? And I'm sure you've heard and you've probably said it yourself, and I know I've said it myself, that... We're in a spiritual battle. We're in spiritual war. Okay? One of the other amazing things that God revealed to me this week is that I think what, what He told me and He wants me to tell you is that we're technically not in a war. We're technically not in a battle. Because the battle has been won. Right? Jesus won the battle and defeated the enemy 2,000 years ago. It's done. It's over. Okay? He has forced 
Satan to surrender his authority and his power. And what we're called to do is we're called to enforce that defeat. We're, we're called to enforce that surrender. And, I mean, I, I think it's awesome because it gives you a completely different visual, okay? If, if you're looking at this as a battle, okay, you see, say, maybe two people fighting swords, okay? And you're fighting to the death. You're almost equals, okay? But the visual that I think he was trying to convey to me in, in the fact that we're, we're like military police, okay? The war is over. We've got our uniform, we've got our weapons, and all we're doing is we're leading this weak, powerless, toothless, weaponless failure to his internment, right? He is completely defeated. So we're called to, we're called to be law enforcers. We're called to enforce the enemy's Surrender. We're called to enforce the word and the will of God in our lives and the lives of those around us. So then the question is, how do we do it? How do we put him in his place? How do we enforce the will of God? Okay? In Revelations, we're told, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the lamb is our badge. It's like if you, if you look at a police analogy, the blood of the lamb is our, it's our uniform, it's our badge. It's what gives us legal authority. It legally gives us the authority to enforce his, the, the law of God. So we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And the word of our testimony is the word. Okay? So we need to speak to the problems. We need to speak to the circumstances. Right? We need to speak the word to our circumstances. So we need to stop believing the, the enemy's lies and enforce his defeat. We need to be law enforcers. We need to stop allowing him to prevent us from living in victory and fulfilling God's plan for our lives. We need What we need to do instead is we need to start demonstrating that we have the answer, right? And the answer is Jesus. And as we do, those around us will look to us, they'll look to the church, and eventually they'll look to Jesus for the help that they need. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the victory. I thank you that you sent Jesus to defeat the enemy, and he is, he is defeated. We become the occupying force. Father God, help us to understand that. Help us to see that. This isn't a battle. We're called to enforce the enemy's defeat, enforce his surrender. Father, I ask you to bless the tithes and offerings that are presented today. Multiply them back to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as Greg said, we have... A special guest today, Wayne. Are you ready? ready. <laughs> All right. Can you? Is he on? No. Yes. Sounds kind of hollow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good morning. Good morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. And Father God, I ask that you just give me the words to say. Father God, there's one thing none of us in this room want to do is miss you. We want to speak the truth and speak the truth in love. Father God, we thank you for this church. We're, it's an awesome church that you have brought us into for such a time as this. Father God, I'm expecting great things that are going to happen here in your name. And Father God, we're just going to give you the glory for it, Father, for all of it, because you alone deserve the glory. And Father God, we just lift up all those overseas ministering your word and teaching others to, to walk, in, walk in your word and to speak your word. Father God, we just thank you.
that that place will be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This thing's pretty big. Makes me, Pastor John, it's a good size for him, but, but, um, you know, in, let's just turn here, Second Chronicles. And, you know, we come up and we come and we see this and, and election time, but, but it's not just meant for election time. You ever listen to David Barton? He's a theological historian on the United States. And he's a wealth of information. And in Second Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, when I first read that verse, I thought he was speaking to the world, right? But who's he speaking to? Yeah, he's speaking to the church. And and I was just thinking back, and I've been around a while now, and hopefully I've learned a little bit. But I remember... Um, I don't know what my parents called the good old days, right? But I don't know if I'd call it that. But things have changed in the country where God has placed us. Now, if he'd place us in France, that would be the, you know, the country that'd be in our heart. But he placed us here for such a time as this. And that, that is exciting. But it's not fun watching things change in the wrong direction. You know, I remember when I was a kid a long time ago, Patty always said she came to the Beaver Cleaver family when she met me, but I wasn't Beaver or Wally or none of them guys. <clears throat> But I remember this one incident where on this show it showed Beaver and his mom, June Ward, right? And he goes, she was trying to get him to dance with his teacher. He wouldn't do it. And she kept trying to talk him into dancing with your teacher. He wouldn't do it. And finally he asked her, why didn't you why don't you want to dance with your teacher? He goes, Mom, she doesn't have any clothes on her arms. Think about it. Think about it. And I'm looking back at history, my history from the time that I was born, you know, and I didn't, I wasn't very involved, right, in anything that was going on around me. But I am now. God changed all that. And we even said Pledge of Allegiance when we were in school. And prayer was taken out, right? In what, 1962? Or three? Two? And the abortion, was that two or three? But all these things happening, and it's all these things. And I think that's just the beginning. I remember going, taking the youth group, a bunch of us went up. And we went to Summit Ministries. This was a long time ago. And it was up on Arden Hills or Arden Heights or whatever the church is up there. And they had a list of these history books. And some you couldn't turn the page because you're that old. 
and some they'd let you look at as you went further down the line. They had school books then, and the parents were teaching them, right? And God was in everything. God was in all them books. George Washington, his story, how God intervened. All these Tories. And what's happened? You know, in Russia, I believe they, Stalin, I believe he took all the history books and burned them. And he took all the books and he burned them and they rewrote their history. They invented everything. They did this. They did that. Now, in America, it's just happening slower. How God has been taken out of everything. I remember we had this guy, Dan Williamson. You remember Dan Williamson? I remember he gave me some tapes. So back then they had tapes. <laughs> and so I'd listen to him on the way to work. And I don't remember a whole lot about him, but I remember this. When the public school system started, and the person who started it said, you know, he says, we got these kids for eight hours a day. Their parents probably talked to them five, seven, ten minutes. Leaves an impression, don't it? Leaves an impression how important it is. What a ministry you have. Raising your kids. Teaching them the truth. Even when it's uncomfortable. Speaking the truth into their lives. The Word of God is truth. Speaking the Word of God into their lives. You know, one time I, I already got permission from Deb. I asked her if it's okay if I say safe sex. But I, but we're down in St. Croix Island. Deb, you were there. You and Pastor John and the youth group, right? And I seen this shirt. It was a white shirt. And with big red letters, a bold statement, it says, safe sex. And below it, it said in Hebrews 13, 4, you know that marriage is honorable. Don't let the, <clears throat> let's just turn there. Hebrews 13, 4. I don't want to chop it up. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So, uh, so anyway, I got this shirt on. We took the youth group to Valley Fair. So I had that shirt on. And, you know, you wear it for a while. You forget you have it on. Until <laughs> you see others staring at you. I'd look up and they'd be staring at me. I thought, what are you staring at me for, you know? I had the shirt on. I had the shirt on. So we walk out. We had packed lunches. So we come back in. The gate. They stamp you on the way out. 
So you can get back in. So we're going back in the gate. And I hold out my hand. She goes, I remember you. Just go. (laughs) I remember you. Just go. See, that had an impact. But that was on the outside. That was on the outside. But what you have on the inside leaves an impact. Because when you were born again, something was deposited in you. The Spirit of the Most High God. The Living God. And I think about the youth that we had in youth group. Why God brought me back there? I don't know, but He brought me back there. He has His reasons, right? And I thought of these kids that came in. And these kids that came in, you know, there was some church kids in there. And they weren't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And anyway, good-looking kids, good-looking girls, tell them we're going, though the boys would follow them around or the girls would follow them around. So we had a big youth group. They didn't come really to hear the word, I don't believe, some of them. But they did. They heard the word. And I thought, well, you know, they're moving off. I don't think they're paying attention. Because a lot of these kids were unchurched kids. Or they're raised in a different denomination or whatever. But they'd come to youth group. God uses everybody, right? They didn't come to listen to the speaker or whatever. They came because their kids, because their friends came. They liked following the crowd, you know. So I asked them a question about salvation. I don't know, there's quite a few of them in there because I wanted to see if they're listening. Otherwise, I'm just up here blowing hot air, right? I want to see if they're listening. So I said, okay, make out a little thing. And let me know why you're going, why you think you're going to heaven. So I don't know, there's quite a few kids in there, I don't know, 20-some or whatever. And so I said, just throw them in a basket or come up and read your own or whatever. So they came up and read them. And all but one There was one out of that group of kids that thought if they acted good, they'd go to heaven. But all the rest got it. All the rest got it. Because they believed in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They believed that when that Jesus paid the price. Amen? They believed it wasn't on their own good merit, lest anyone should boast, right? So there was a deposit made there. And I mean, the youth group here, I thought, whoa, you know, they're like, awesome. People here really getting taught of the Word. But what happens? What happens? To them kids, I was thinking, what happened to them kids that that deposit was made? And then they're not going to church anymore. They're going to school. And it was heavy on my heart.
have you married them? I said, I don't know why I'm getting emotional about this. I told Patty. And then, I better get to the word, right? If I can still see. Hallelujah. Colossians, verse 8. You know, when the kids are leaving, they're graduating from school. And we tried to tell them what was going on. Be plugged in. Be plugged in. Be plugged in to a church. You go to a school, find a group there, college-age kids, that you can hook up with. But you know what? We're all God's kids, right? And and some let us pray. We need to heed the warning. Could you roll that um, little video thing up here? To answer that question, we set up a hidden camera experiment to see if this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone simply because everyone else is. You might be thinking you'd never go along with this. Or would you? After just three beats, and without knowing why she's doing it, this woman is now conforming perfectly to the group. But what happens if we take the group away? Elaine, please. Okay, now she's alone. The crowd is gone and nobody is watching her except our hidden cameras. What do you think she'll do? She's now conforming to the rules of the group without them even being there. Now, watch what happens when we introduce another outsider who doesn't know the rules. Have a seat and they'll be out in just a couple minutes. Thanks so much. Think she'll teach the new guy what to do? We kept the cameras rolling as more unsuspecting patients arrived. Slowly but surely, what began as a random rule for this woman has now become the social norm for everyone in this waiting room. Here to explain what's going on in their brains is Jonah Berger of the University of Pennsylvania. This sort of internalized form of herd behavior is part of what we call social learning. Starting at a very early age, when we see members of our group perform a task, our brains literally reward us for following in their footsteps. When I saw everybody stand up, I felt like I needed to join them. Otherwise, I'm like excluded. Once I decided to go with it, 
then I felt much more comfortable. Conformity is how we become socialized, but it can also cause us to develop bad habits or repeat past wrongs. And it's why even this rebel, who wasn't standing for any of this nonsense, eventually joined the ranks. And the only thing more shocking than seeing how easily conformity affects the way you act is that similar forces are subconsciously shaping the way you think right now. Now I've seen that, I got my attention. First of, first of all, I would have thought, wouldn't you ask what you're doing? That'd be my first thing, wouldn't you ask? Yeah, one guy asked, but what did she say? Yeah, she didn't want to be, she felt like she wasn't part of the group or included in the group. You know, with all this stuff going on, I think <clears throat> so many things now have changed. And not only that they've changed in such a way that, you know, the definition of marriage has changed. Not for us, but the definition of marriage in America has changed. A lot of things have changed. A lot of things have changed. You know, all these things didn't happen overnight. But they're happening. And it seems like, it, maybe just because I'm getting older, but it seems like things are happening faster. But it reminded me, you know, I mean, the elections and everything, they're over, right? All this stuff's over, right? And the words, you know, I mean, I, I can get caught up in that stuff I'm uh, allow myself to, right? But it reminded me of the woman at the well. And this is where I think the church might have missed it in the past. You know, because my lifestyle wasn't too awesome either for a, quite a while. And Jesus said, oh, you have many husbands, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And they brought her before Jesus, the religious folk. Those without sin cast the first stone to that one adulterous woman. And what do you, what do you tell what do you say to her? Then forgiven. Go and go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. See, I think somewhere along the line, we as a church know what's accepted and not accepted, right? Because we know the the truth. But I think maybe in the past, the church is throwing stones. But I remember my past. Might not have been that. Guess what? God had compassion on me. God had compassion on me. Now, was I doing things right? <laughs> Far from right. Far from right. And in Second Peter, see, 
even from what Brian was saying this morning and and I thought Pastor John I thought, oh he's gonna teach my sermon today you know <laughs> last week because it was kind of in a sense along these times <clears throat> along these times see philosophies on human ideas right man can solve the problem right how's that working out we only have the living God right Jesus Christ that's in us in Romans 12 2 this has been on my heart for a long time it says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God so we need to continually renew our minds in the things of God in 2 Peter 3.17 it says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with error, the wicked, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to him be the glory for now and for the future. You know them kids that have led us tray? If they heard the word, they're God's kids, right? Not all of them are in church today. But they will be, I bet. It's just train up a child in the way they should go and they'll not depart from it. When they get old. I'm thinking of the youth for today. I'm thinking just like that. She started sitting up, right? Or standing up from sitting down. But I believe they're coming back. Because God's word is true. God's word is true. We can believe everything that's in here. We can believe it all. It's God's word, His inspired word. And, you know, I guess. I don't remember this shirt, but I was talking to Adam. And um, we got a clock around here? <laughs> yeah, we do. I was talking to Adam. And he said, back and he thought it was sixth grade. I don't know if it was in church or school. But I said, dare to be different. The crowd can kill. The crowd can kill. Fall on the wrong crowd can kill. Fall on the wrong crowd can kill. And it was interesting. I was talking to him and Time's getting short, so I'll, I'll speed up a little bit. But I, he said, "What are you going to talk about?" And I said, "Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. God will never change. God will never change." He's, you're, the role we have, the role we have, not as parents, grandparents, 
You know, I can say my son's doing a much better job than I am, but that's the way it's supposed to be, right? I remember when I was first born again and and Pastor Dan used to say, it cost a whole lot to follow Christ, but it cost a whole lot more not to. And this church, hallelujah, I believe the Lord is <laughs> really speaking to Pastor John and the troops. Sometimes it might cost a lot to follow Jesus. But I'm believing, I believe in my heart that he's answering the call and doing what God's directing them to do. And it's not easy. We got to keep the him and the pastors in this church lifted up. When I first came here, I think I was sitting where Debbie sat, and they were sitting up here. And I thought, what am I, you know, okay, what do I do here? He says, your job is to pray for Pastor John. He's the one leading us and he won't lead us astray because he's directed by the Lord. I truly believe that. And I truly believe if he wasn't, we'd know it. Amen? <laughs> we would know it. <clears throat> okay, here we go. 2 Timothy 3.1 Know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Trouble comes. You know, dangerous times will come. That's why it gets harder to stand. Think about the kids that are going to college. If they don't have that support, it's going to be harder for them to stand. How do I know that? Because I've seen both ends of it. It's so important. I can't stress enough how important that is. We're handing off the baton. We're handing off the baton to those running the race with endurance. And it's only Jesus Christ working in you and through you. And I was and I was reading, you know, I mean we got more knowledge than ever before, right? I mean we got more ways to look up scripture and all these things. We got a lot of knowledge. And I just started reading these words. First of all, I want to go a little bit further here on also the last days, perilous times are coming. They shall come. And so we're believing that we're going to renew our minds so we can be a help to others as day goes on. <clears throat> but God always warns us about things that are coming ahead, right? He lets us know in advance by the Holy Ghost. Amen. He let Paul know a long time ago, I'd say. It's to prepare ourselves. 
And he rescued me out of the pit of hell just like he did the rest of you. And it says, one of the commentaries read or whatever comments, we are rescued from darkness and given the light merely to not merely to flee darkness, but to guide our steps as we go back into the world and rescue others because we're in the world, right? And and only God has the power, right? Through His Word, He has the power. This I want to read because I started getting a little wound up when I read this the other night, and I'll close with this. It's 11 o'clock, but give you something to think about. Let's go to Acts, the book of Acts. In chapter 4. You know, we moved recently, like many other people, but we didn't move far like some. We'll start out in verse 13, I believe. But anyway, we we moved in the house, and I forget, something wasn't working. I think it was some light or something. I thought, light ain't working. You know, it had a light bulb in it. Had all these things in it. It wasn't, it wasn't working. So I'm looking at the bulb and looking at this and figured it'd be a good thing to plug it in. I noticed it was unplugged. It had to be plugged into the power source. We can have the word and knowledge, but that'll be plugged into the power source. I love reading the book of Acts, it gets me wound up. You know. A lot of persecution in there, right? For standing up for God, right? A lot of persecution. <laughs> but a lot of power. A lot of power. Here we go. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has has been done through them is evident to all who, who dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't den- cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in, in this name. Well, they're trying to take the name of Jesus out of everything, right? And it says, So they called them and commanded them not to speak, at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to more than <clears throat> to more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had furthered threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, 
they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priest and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. So when they heard that they raised their voice to God with one accord, you are God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. Who by the mouth your servant David has said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were all gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and by the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, they placed, <clears throat> when they had when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the words of God with boldness. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul, neither did any say that any of these things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that the other day and it lit me up. It lit me up. We're connected to the power source. I'm expecting things to happen. I'm expecting God to move. What happened when Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost? He was a new man, right? He spoke with boldness. And many were added to the church daily. Many were added to the church daily. He spoke with boldness. One thing that used to bother me more than anything was when they called the church the silent majority. Well, we're not staying silent anymore. We're speaking the truth in love and we're speaking it boldly. And to God be the glory. You know, I sent many a prayer request in like many of you people do. And I take them to heart. So I sent one in about this Christy who has stage four cancer. And she just got a report that it's that it's um, spreading by the doctors. And anyway, these people Now, I don't know Christy, but God knows Christy. But I know her sister. See, God puts people in our lives so that we can be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ and that we let our light shine. Well, anyway, these realtors come over in July and it's her sister and they're coming over Monday night about 8.30 but she texts me with that prayer request 
known her since July. We've known her since July. God's going to put people in your lives. Just like that woman over there that had the growth that put in Joy's life. See, that's what this generation needs to see is the power of God. Is the power of God. What happened here? Man was healed. We can believe for that. We can trust God in His Word. But I told her I'm believing in miracles. Amen? Amen. I believe in supernatural healings. Now, we didn't know they were coming. This is... Well, I guess I did ask them before, but we invited them over because they wanted to have coffee. But I know that that was a divine appointment. We all have divine appointments. God's no respecter of men. What he'll do for one, he'll do for another. So let, don't wear it on the outside, wear it on the inside, and it'll come out on the outside. Amen? Okay, God bless. That's it. I'm over. I'm over. Glory be to God.